They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to our show today. I am very excited to share with you our guest today. I have Sherry Burton with me today. Let me just tell you a little bit about Sherry and what is kind of her background. So Sherry works as a an author, holistic psychologist, international speaker, mom of six. She's a podcast host, emotional release facilitator and leadership development trainer. And she has helped thousands of women all over the world find wholeness. Well, Cherie, I am so grateful to have you here today. That was so beautiful. I love that you've helped lots and lots of women. So Cherie, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about you. Thanks, Donna. Yeah, well, everyone sounds great on paper. I feel like that might be a little bit of a cold way to bring people into my space. And so I was like, oh. But I have a passion for helping women find out who they are and living from a place of authenticity. So typically, I'm sure you know this because you help people too, you know, and you've seen how people rise from the ashes. I don't know anyone who's doing helping or healing work or influencing of any kind that hasn't gone through their own personal hell to get, you know, to where they are now. You know, that's been, that's been the case with me. So we can get to that. But I, yeah, so a little bit about me. Yeah, I, I, I have six children and two little grandchildren. And my kids range in age from six to 26. So it's quite a... Oh, wow, that's, that's a big difference. Yeah. yeah, I have, well, right. I have a married daughter and then I have three college kids. And then there's a 12-year gap and I have a, a seven and a six-year-old right now. So the seven and six-year-old came quite miraculously through two separate private adoptions. And their stories are so miraculous that they've been featured on a documentary and it's been really amazing how they showed up. And yeah, my oldest daughter, that's a story in and of itself. It's actually a child that I placed for adoption. I placed her at birth. I made a very careful plan during uh, an unplanned pregnancy in college and through a series of very miraculous events, knew that I needed to place her with another family and that that was part of my path in life. So I, I did that, but it's been a very open adoption. And so she's very much a part of my life mm, and um, we have a very beautiful relationship. So yeah, I'm kind of navigating the young adult. Uh, my, my youngest bio child is 19. He just turned 19 and he's still technically a teenager, although graduated from high school. But then, yeah, now I'm 51 and raising a six and a seven year old. So <laughs> oh my goodness, it's a little crazy. 
I know my viewers are going to ask me a little bit about that because you touched on it. I have to ask, you said there was some, a story behind being able to adopt these two children. Yeah. Can you briefly share us with sure. us a little bit about that because I know they're going to ask. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I started, I actually saw these two children in vision in 2007. I saw uh, two beautiful spirit beings with blue eyes, a male and a female. And I knew that they were my children Mm -hmm. and it was undeniable. So in 2007, I felt like I still needed to have more children. So I had four miscarriages in a row trying to bring them here. And then a lot of separate miraculous and seemingly, I don't know, I just had a lot of healers and different people tell me that they were coming and I was giving up hope. Actually, was almost did surrogacy, almost did all these things. But my last miscarriage was at age 42. That's how long I tried. And finally, they both came through what's called announcing dreams. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but so it's when a child who has not incarnated, a soul that has not yet incarnated but intends to, comes through in a dream or a vision to their waiting parents. Okay. So I had a dream. Um, I was actually in Japan on business and I had a dream that basically let me know that my son was coming soon. And when I got back from Japan, a girl that I had life coached, one of my clients who I'd lost touch with, Jessica, texted me and said she was pregnant. So I pretty much knew that that's how we were getting Eli and through a series of interesting things. She moved in with us in her fourth month of pregnancy and then... um very early decided that we were the parents and the family she wanted. And so I was able to help deliver him and cut the cord. And he, I was there for most of his pregnancy. So that's how we got Eli. And then when he showed up, I was like, well, where's the girl coming from? And he knew she had blonde hair and blue eyes and uh, almost went to an adoption agency because the feeling was coming on strong. And then a friend of my friend's daughter, who doesn't really know me, reached out to me on Facebook one day and said, my friend is pregnant. I was going to adopt her baby, who we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, but my friend is really in a bad spot. She can't raise this child. I can't raise this child. And I've had this, she said, I've had this dream two nights in a row where I see my friend handing a baby girl over to a woman with long brown hair. And when I went to your website, I recognized you as the woman in my dream. So I feel like I need to connect you with my friend. Wow. What a cool story. Oh, this gives me chills. (laughs) I love, love, love hearing stories like this. Mm, So it was so much more than synchronicity. It was completely undeniably. I mean, everyone has their different faiths, but for me, it was the hand of God just unequivocally like bringing these two children. So actually, uh, my little girl, Emma, her adoption was fraught with a lot of peril. The birth mother changed her mind multiple times and ended up keeping her. And then three weeks later, CPS came and took her out of her care because of she was, had been neglect. Well, it was abusive with the mm-hmm. boyfriend and things and not her baby, not the baby's father, but a boyfriend, a live-in boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So I got involved when she, I was heartsick when she changed her mind to begin with. But when I found out she went into foster care, I fought for her. So six court hearings later in the state of California, I was given, my husband and I were giving, given the go-ahead to be her foster parents. And so I got a one-bedroom apartment in California, left my other kids at home in Utah, including my two-year-old Eli, and stayed. It was only supposed to be six weeks, but it ended up being almost six months. And that was literally brutal. 
Oh so goodness. I have to go ahead to come back to her in Utah with the rest of the family. And then we adopted her. The birth mom finally stopped deciding to reunite, drop the case so that we could adopt her. And so we adopted her when she was just under a year old. So that's how oh, I got them. What a beautiful story. Oh my goodness. Well, we were going to talk about your sister. Uh, <laughs> this was such a great, I, I just, when you said that, I just thought, okay, I know they're going to ask me later because I get messages from people and they'll say, what happened to it about the kids or what happened? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I would oh, be I totally interested too. Definitely had to address that. So I appreciate you sharing that message and maybe we'll bring you back and share more of that story. Wow. What a beautiful story. So you wanted to share a little bit about your sister though. Yeah. Well, only because, I mean, she, she was such an integral part in doing the work that I do now. I actually have a traditional psychology degree. I worked as a group counselor, a psychiatric hospital. I worked at an addiction recovery center as a family education director. And so I was already in the mental health arena clinically and was just starting to notice that not only were those clients really not getting better and a lot of relapsing and a lot of recidivism and mental health itself was kind of, is kind of a messy field anyway, but I just knew there had to be more than drugs and talk therapy. And just to back up a little bit, um, I am the second of seven children and all of my siblings are bipolar except for myself and one other sibling. And when I was 22 years, 21 years old, my aunt committed suicide and she was bipolar also. And she had a three-year-old son. And in her suicide letter, she asked my parents to raise him. And so he was adopted as our seventh sibling. So all my parents had six children together and then adopted my little cousin. So I was 21 when they adopted him when, and he was three, but he's also bipolar. So yeah, it's been a theme in my life. I was already attracted to psychology before all these diagnoses hit with my siblings I would spend, I spent a great deal of my 20s visiting my sisters in psychiatry. So I have a sister a year older and a sister two years younger, both bipolar, because I'm so close in age to them. And because we are close, I would visit them in these places. And I, and I knew having worked in the field also and visiting my, my sisters in these places and losing my aunt, I knew there had to be more. But I, I didn't understand alternative forms of care or treatment. I didn't understand even the holistic field. I thought it was pseudoscience. I didn't get it. Um, but after in 2005, when I was 35, I actually was Mrs. Utah. So that's a whole other story, but I, I won the, the title of Mrs. Utah. And that same year, my sister took her life mm. and she was a mother of five children that ranged in age from two to 12. And it was really ironic because um, my platform as Mrs. Utah was about basically emotionally empowering women. And so because of my public role as Mrs. Utah, the Utah Attorney General asked me to sit on the State Suicide Prevention Council because at that time, Utah was leading the nation in suicidality and they kind of still are. Nothing's changed Mm -hmm. much in 15 years. But I became it was absolutely devastating to lose her. I mean, it was PTSD level traumatic for me to lose her. We lived in the same community. I saw her every day. Our children were the same ages. We were only two years apart in age and it absolutely leveled me. And one, well, I can't imagine I lost a brother too. So I do Mm -hmm. can relate with that, but 
Holy moly, that is just awful when you have this experience with her day to day to day and then now she's gone. Yeah, she she had bipolar and she struggled, but she also, she had open heart surgery when she was a little girl and then she had a spinal fusion when, for scoliosis when she was 15. Mm-hmm. So after she had started having children, her her back was giving her chronic pain. So when you couple a bad heart and a chronic pain condition along with bipolar, it's a recipe to self-medicate. So she did develop a painkiller addiction and she was in recovery for that and had just gone through a 90-day treatment program for that. Um, And she didn't relapse in her addiction. Ultimately, she took a drug, she went to a hotel room and took a drug that was used to manage her bipolar symptoms. So it wasn't a high that she was getting or Mm-hmm. She just definitely just wanted to not be alive. And she did leave a letter and she said in her letter, which is very heartbreaking, that she felt like her next step would be committal to a state hospital and she did not want her children to see her that way. And she felt like she could be a better guardian angel than she could be a mother. So in her mind, she was sort of relieving the burden of her um, to the family. and. Yeah, so I it changed it changed me and it made me look at things so differently that I finally just started praying to God and saying obviously these traditional ways are not helping people. My sister was on 12 medications at the time of her death. And my oh, wow, 12 a lot to, to manage bipolar. So mm-hmm. she really wasn't herself. She wasn't in the driver's seat. She was kind of losing touch with her own soul and her own creativity. She's a high creative as most of my siblings are, her gift was music and she wrote music, played several instruments by ear, had a full ride music scholarship for vocals, was lead in all the school musicals in high school, very gifted. And um, all of her creativity went away when she was on these medications and it made her not want to live to not being able to express herself. So I knew there was a link between creative expression and depression. And also some of the religious programming that she received of not being worthy enough, good enough, doing it right. Just many things coupled, you know, compounded, I should say, this cascade of wanting to not live. So, yeah, I, I can talk about it now because it's been 15 years. But I definitely noticed even being on the State Suicide Prevention Council, because I was in this think tank meetings with like social workers and professors and psychiatrists and a lot of people in the medical community and a lot of educators and professionals. And there was not a lot of mention of things like mindfulness and breathing and emotional release and nature and all of these things that we know now considerably help with self-nourishment and medical or mental health. So yeah, I, that's where I am now. (laughs) So I call myself a holistic psychologist because I really jumped over into the healing the whole mind, body, soul aspect of one's being. I love that, you know, and no, no wonder you did, because when you have somebody like your sister, that's like you said, on all those medications, it is, it really does make you think a little bit differently. Like what could we have done different or what could she have done different that Mm -hmm. could have made a better choice for her and maybe better choices for others in the future. I also am a Reiki master. I get that. So, you know, that's a big part Mm -hmm. of 
you know, people healing through their emotions. Emotions play a big part in it, don't they? Oh, everything. Because usually by the time someone has a physical issue, it's had an emotional energy root for some time before it ever would manifest physically. So getting to the heart and the cause is usually it's emotion or belief based in some way, as I'm sure you know, doing Reiki or generational. And in our case, I mean, we've had, we have had bipolar and, and depression on both my mom's and dad's sides of the family for probably multiple generations. Okay. So, so now you experience this, then you decide to look into other aspects. So at that point you were, did you go into psychology after that or was it, you were already in that process because of your family going through so much emotional stuff? Oh no, I, I graduated my degree way before that before my sister's death or anything. But yeah, like I said, I, I was already seeing that when my sister died, I'd already been through like, oh, these, these clients, I mean, these people in these psychiatric hospitals and these people in these addiction recovery centers, they're not getting better either. Oh my gosh. Like I need to think differently here. I need to, I need different answers because I have children and I don't want to see them go through these cycles or my children's children. So yeah, it just woke me up to the need for coming back to what's really causing these things. It's like not, it's, it's kind of that ideology of not treating depression, but treating what's causing the depression. Mm, I totally agree with that. So now you're on this spiritual journey path to learn a little bit more about that. What did you do? do or find out in that area? Do you have some special training there? So I just sort of went on a very dogged, determined, I started with energy psychology and I started reading books and then I started going to trainings and that kind of, I've always had an interest in spirituality, a deep interest in spirituality. So I basically just I went, I, everything I could get my hands on and some of it I put to the side and some of it I kept, but the basic understanding I came to is that um, I was going to have to bootstrap an advanced degree for myself because I could see these things showing up on my path and I recognized I was not going to be able to go back to college and get a degree in this. So yeah, it was just looking at what was showing up and deep diving into things like chakras and yoga and meditation and mindfulness and energy work and spirituality, and that made all the difference. So that kind of got you on the path then, it sounds like, to kind of helping these women. So you do gear towards just women, it sounds like, and you've worked with these women all over the world doing what kind of things are you doing? Yeah, I wouldn't say I just work with women. I, 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 I help women. Get, well, I, I keep it focused and niched on women because once you change a woman, you change the whole dynamic and the whole world. <laughs> And especially in the home and with children, and um, but yeah, I, I mostly uh, I don't necessarily do hands-on healing work, although I have been certified in something called perfect healing, and so I, I do that on the side. But the bulk of my work has been education, so you know, retreats, workshops. Um, I have a podcast. And so it's just been helping to awaken women to who they are through the power of language and words. That's my form of healing. 
I really love that as well because I do I do feel like our words, the language we speak, everything, it all plays such a big part, doesn't it, in how we yeah. feel about ourselves, about life, and other things. So, so you, you, I think you have a freebie for our listeners as well. Something that you have that you offer for those that go to your your website and it looks like it's a healing kit. Tell us a little bit about that and what that entails. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, people can just go to my website, shereeburton.com and my name is C-H-E-R-I-E. It's just a little downloadable lookbook, just some fun nourish soul nourishment. I have the bulk of my research has come into multisensory healing. So our senses are our feel-good portals, and when we nourish them, we feel better. So things we're looking at, things we're hearing, things we're touching, smelling, tasting, all of those things. So I put together this beautiful downloadable multisensory healing kit that people can access, and it just loves you up and teaches you how to go inside. And there's a meditation on there and just some, some of my favorite books and reads and a great recipe and just ways to self-anoint um, using essential oils and smell being a really, and touch being very powerful pathways to self-nurture. So it's just fun. Yeah, I, I just, it's just a way for women to, especially busy women and strong women, we tend to outsource all of our caretaking to others instead of our own being and our own soul. So I put that together as a gift. So yeah, you can just find it right there on my homepage of my website. It's, I have to scroll down a little bit, but there it is. And I would love for people to receive that. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we're excited to share that with our audience. And I believe you also have something else that you were going to share with us as well. Is that right? Oh yeah. I just released a feminine boss school. <laughs> So it's really fun. It's, uh, it's only $97 and you can just go to feminineboss.school.com. And it's a 12-week crash course into goddess confidence, finding your soulpreneur path, and then balancing it all with motherhood or your family life. So it's just a, it's the things I've learned over the years about how to step into your beauty and power and find what you're created to do. And then just giving you the courage and support to do it and go in the direction of that soul path. A lot of people are feeling displaced right now because of COVID, feeling the call, especially many women I meet, feeling the call. There's some purpose they have. There's something they need to do, but they don't know where to start. That's kind of why I created the course. And then as women, whether we don't have children or we do, we, again, we're so relational. We want to take care of everybody around us. So I teach how you do meet the needs of your family at a high level, but still meet the needs of your soul first. Mm, that's the key right there. The soul <laughs> first. And a lot of times as moms, we are last. Why is that? Like we take care of ourselves last thinking, oh, we got to take care of everyone else. But yes, through, through my own experience, I've learned that same exact thing that taking care of myself is a way better way because then I have the energy and the focus to take care of my family. Yes. So I love that you shared that. Thank you. All right. Well, Cherie, thank you again for being on our show today, sharing all the, the, your beautiful message and message of hope that you can get through some challenging times. At the end of my podcast, I always ask, what is the one thing that helped you through that transition of losing your sister and 
how did you get through that? What was the one thing that helped you gain strength through that? Mm, I would have to say tuning into my own soul voice, just drowning out the voices of other people and really getting clear on what, what I was feeling in my body and what was calling to me. That's beautiful. So just listening within, knowing that that we all have the answers within us. We just need to take the time to listen, take that quiet mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I love that. Sheree, thank you so much again for joining us today. And I'm grateful to have you on this, on our Power to Grow t- today. So thank you so much for joining us. And thank all of you for listening. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon and this is Power to Grow. Thank you.